What's up, Video Landers? I'm your host, Dr. Diamond Doug. Triple D. And with me tonight is my co-host with the most Mr. Miggity 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 Mac. Mm, 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 mm. Quick reminder, you can find us on adventuresinvideoland.com or on our Facebook page, Adventures in Videoland. We are critics with attitude. In many of the AV podcasts, you'll hear some bad language, but that's not really mm. our style, Mm-mm-mm. so we'll try to keep this rated PG-13 with, yep. uh, what, Mr. May? Well, it's mullets, synth music, and gratuitous space goo violence. Oh, yeah, yeah, that would constitute a PG-13 rating for sure. So gratuitous. Also, spoiler alert, <laughs> if you don't want tonight's movie ruined, pause the episode, watch the movie, come back later. With that said, tonight we'll be talking about Season 8 Pantheon nomination number Number six, The Blob. The 1988 version. The 1988 version, not the 1958 version. Which I watched by accident. And I watched on purpose. (laughs) After. (laughs) Nominated by April McBoom, guest voter Brandon Folk. Before we get to any of that, let's chat about Pantheon. Mr. Miggity Mac, what is Pantheon? Ah, Pantheon movies hit on all cylinders. Acting, directing, script, score, cinematography, special effects, and that X factor. Je ne sais quoi. I still don't know what that means. Ah, it never gets old. They are essential viewing. They are the best of their genre. You know, there are nine members on the Adventures in Video Land, or as we say, the AV Council. Mm-hmm. Every three weeks, a council member nominates another movie, and everyone else on the council votes yes or no with their reasons. In addition, there's a guest voter, so that makes 10 votes. And then the Facebook poll collectively counts as one vote. So a total of 11 votes. Now, to get into Pantheon, a movie needs a two-thirds majority, essentially seven yes votes to get into Pantheon. We've had five movies so far, and uh, let's see what we've done, what damage has been done to the Pantheon this season. Or uh, enhancement. Or enhancement. Uh, working backwards, sure. starting with the, the last week's yeah. Goodfellas. Oh, that totally got in, right? No, it did oh, not. No. It was a fence-sitter, and it was on 6 of 11. No, that's a negative. So, and uh, we that 6 of 11 is the same that Boogie Nights had way back when. Right. So Which, you know, either of them may come back around. It, you it, never know. And they can come back. You can be renominated, or it can come back in the polls. Mm-hmm. So. Tropic Thunder. That one made it 8 of 11, I heard. Scott Pilgrim versus The World. Again, 8 out of 11. Wes Anderson's Fantastic Mr. Fox. You had them at Wes Anderson, 9 of 11. And Hook with Robin Williams. Has to have made it. Did not make it in. Four of eleven. Oh, that's the opposite score they needed. Wah, not wah. not four yeses. They they needed four only four noes. But bum bum. So, uh, you want to have a little foreplay before we get into the movie talk? You know it. Sure. For foreplay tonight, I was thinking because this movie, The Blob, is a remake of yeah. a classic film. Yeah. It, that for you, any classic remakes out there, and I will allow for both movie to movie or. TV to movie. Ooh, interesting. Okay. Well, I'll tell you something. The first one that came to mind when I thought about this was actually, and there's been more than one of them, but King Kong. So the original, I think 1940, yeah. like stop cl- claymation mm-hmm. one. I saw that in the theaters. I was blown away. I loved it. It was great. And then when I saw one that came out, I think in the early 70s, it was 
amazing. You know, mm -hmm. King Kong literally ripping the lizard king in half yeah. by his jaws and the really hot, desperately uh, uh, needed to be saved blonde mm -hmm. who just uh, like, and then Kong with his love of this beautiful woman and how he protected her and then dies by being, you know, shot off yeah. of the bill. I loved it. King Kong. Uh, now, they've remade King Kong many, many times since then, including Jack Black's version, uh, Skull Island, I think. Yeah, Kong, Kong, uh, yeah, Kong Skull Island. And uh, I, they, to me, they just don't quite stand up to that that mm. one. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's mine. That's mine. Sure. What about you? Well, so I'm going to start by saying I absolutely loved 21 Jump Street coming into a movie <laughs> from a TV show to a movie. Okay. Um, and that's not exactly what we're talking about here with movie to movie remake, but that was one that really kind of like, I just loved it. And we've mentioned it here before conversations yeah. 3, 9, 17, and 25. And 162. And 162, fact, yeah. yes. Uh, but in addition, that there's been other remakes, and I would have to say, like, one that kind of rises above for me is The Fly. Yes, the Jeff Goldblum, the yep, fly. Yep, Jeff yeah, Goldblum, absolutely. the fly. Not They're, the fly two or any no, other no, variation, but just the, the fly. The Goldblum, the fly. And that, that's not to say the original didn't have some iconic scenes. The help, help me, help me, right? Or kill me, or help no, me. No, help me. Okay. Help me. <laughs> uh, but the the fly was pretty fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I and agree. there's other movies that just get cycled through. The uh, A Star Is Born has been done like five times, times, and yeah. But, uh, but the like fly. The, the Star is Born is like that song that gets covered by artist after artist after artist as they join yeah. the ranks of professional yeah. musicians. Yeah. 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 Very much so. So let's run down the blob movie facts you here. Betcha. It's rated R, genre, horror, sci fi, directed by Chuck Russell and screenplay by Chuck Russell and Frank Darabont. Ooh, who went major on to Stephen do King connections there. Green Mile and Shawshank Redemption. Based on The Blob by Theodore Simonson and Kay Lineker. Produced by Jack H. Harris and Elliot Kastner. Cinematography by Mark Irwin, who had a whole bunch of credits to his name uh, that are uh, other things. that I didn't write them down here, but mm -hmm. it included things like... Um, what was it? You'll look it up. Uh, edited by Todd Farman. Terry Strokes. Music by Michael Honing. Um, and production, Palisades, California Incorporated, distributed by TriStar Pictures, released August 5, 1988, runtime 95 minutes, very svelte, hour and a half movie right mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. So, this is starring uh, a bunch of people that are those, that guy from the movie. There's yeah. a whole bunch of... They're like... Almost A-list, but not. But they're not like B-listers. But they're like not A-listers. They're like the brothers and sisters of the A-list. So Kevin Dillon plays the uh, Matt. The, Matt Dillon. Wait, what? The rough. Show. It's not Matt Dillon. Is, is it? Is I it don't Kevin? Know. Did I write Kevin? Wait. No, you're right. It's Kevin. Holy yeah. smoke! He looks just like his brother. <laughs> it's so it? weird. Uh, played Steve Shawnee Smith, and oh. I said, "Where did I know mm. her from?" Summer School. Oh, and so many I had things. a big crush on her from so that many. movie, the Summer Saw School. movies? Yeah. Oh, she's in so many movies. Uh, Donovan Leach played Paul. Jeffrey DeMunn is the sheriff. He is also that guy from The Thing. Mm -hmm. uh, Green Mile, Mile, Shawshank, those connections those, as well. Once again, Stephen King. Candy Clark is Fran. That's the waitress. Joe Seneca is Dr. Meadows. Now a fun kind of uh, guy who's 
in the A minus B plus category mm-hmm. is Paul McCrane, who is the deputy, who is also the doctor you love to see get crushed by a helicopter in the in ER, mm-hmm. and also. Uh, Later on, we'll find out that he was the melty guy from RoboCop. Yes, he yes. was. Uh, you have Art LaFleur, who was the babe in Sandlot and in Field of Dreams. He was the dad. He's also another guy from the thing where you yes. go, well, yeah, I recognize that guy. And then... Just like... Del Close. Del Close. Who was the reverend. And when I saw the name, I was like, oh, yeah, that's him. Now, we've chatted before, me and you, mm-hmm. about improv. Yes, and time or two. the guru, yeah. who was the guy, like the book called The Guru, is about Del Close, who was the one who did the third thought concept. Yeah, the third thought. So, uh, That's about, like when uh, you, you, you're trying to think of something good or something yeah, you're funny. Like, give me a profession. And you're like, doctor. Doc, wait, and you wait, you know, hold on. No, pediatrician. No. And then you're like, wait, no. Plumber. Like the third one yeah. is the one. Yeah. That's, that's Del Close. But Del Close, big in the improv world, and he played the Reverend here. Synopsis of the movie, IMDb. What do you got for me? IMDb says, a deadly entity from this, from space crash lands near a small town and begins consuming anyone in its path. Panic ensues as shady government scientists try to contain the horrific creature. So, this movie is a little hot and cold on the ratings. IMDb has it at 6.6. Rotten Tomatoes has it at 63%. 57% audience score. I looked them up on Metacritic, and it was not listed. Huh. Yeah, so no... There interesting. Was, there, the 58 version was there, but well, wait, the you know 88 version was not. What's interesting to me is that the, 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 uh, the uh, Rotten Tomatoes score... Is usually lower in my in my experience than the audience score, uh-huh. especially for a movie that as uh, as a kind of a bit of a cult popcorn classic, movie is yeah kind of there. But this one is obviously the other way around. Fifty seven percent audience score. It's interesting. So, uh, just grabbing the top of the pops and the bottom of the barrel from Rotten Tomatoes. Megan Navarro from Bloody Disgusting rates it as fresh. Stunning practical effects work, a great story with great characters, a huge sense of fun. It's a shame that the blob doesn't have a big of a following as it should have. Mm. You know, Matt Brunson from Film Friends Frenzy rated it as rotten. After Invasion of the Body Snatchers, The Thing and The Fly demonstrated that 1950s fantasy flicks could be reconfigured in new and exciting ways. The blob took a step backwards. Offering gory effects, but little else to absorb. I see what Matt's doing there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, little, little, little pun action. So, uh, in lieu of having Metacritic scores in the hoi polloi, mm-hmm. that I found an article written in 2018, which was on uh, the 30th year release of the, the film. And this is by Ryan Lambie, entitled Why the Blob, 1988, is one of the best horror remakes ever. All right. And... uh, This is from Den of Geek, yeah? From Den of Geek, yeah. yeah. So, and I'll read it to you. The late 70s... These are excerpts. But the late 70s and 80s were a busy time for horror and sci-fi remakes from Philip Coffin's stunning Watergate-era Invasion of the Body Snatchers to David Cronenberg's full-blooded take on the fly... Not all of these remakes were successful, though. John Carpenter's The Thing, loosely based on Howard Hawks and Christian uh, Nibby's The Thing from Another World, is rightly regarded as a classic today. And it's in Pantheon. <clears throat> but is shunned by the cinema, cinema goers and critics alike in 1982. 
Toby Hooper's 1986 version of Invaders from Mars, meanwhile, was so inept and plastic-looking that it's hard to believe it was made by the same guy who brought us the fearsome Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Or even the Looney Tunes sci-fi of 1985's Life Force. Mm -hmm. (coughs) So, all of this might explain why the blob was overlooked in theaters on its initial release. By the end of 1980s, audiences may have had a hard time of uh, had a, had their fill of 1950s B movies with Reagan era coats of paint. What cinema goers missed out on, though, was one of the most entertaining horror remakes ever made. Yeah, well, so, you know, I do miss movies. I gotta say, I'm gonna in, 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 inject this here. Where the title of the movie makes it very clear what's supposed to happen in the movie. Oh, yeah. The Blob. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There's no question what's going to happen in these movies, right? So, so Ryan from Denna Geek had mentioned 1988 as a crowded summer. Mm -hmm. And... uh, just I grabbed a list of some movies and it really had Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Coming to America, Big Willow, Die Hard, 1988. This movie, and we'll get to box office receipts a little yeah. bit later, sits yeah. between Biloxi Blues and The Last Emperor. Right. Yeah. But it also had movies like Phantasm Two, Good Morning America, and everybody's favorite, Mac and Me. Oh, well, I mean, if you haven't seen Mac and Me, you haven't lived. <laughs> Mac and Me was the, uh, like, if you haven't seen it, you really should see it. It is just an ill-guided attempt at corporate sponsorship of yeah. having McDonald's yes. uh, drive the story. And it is just grotesque, but <laughs> so, it's so bad, it's funny. But some of those other movies <clears throat> that you listed, though, I mean, honestly, they're amazing. I, Bloxy Blues may not get the credit that, that I feel like it deserves, but, like, people quote it. I hear people saying mm. things that are funny, and I'm like, I'm not sure you know what movie that's from, but that's from a little-known movie that most people haven't watched, right? So, but anyway, yeah, there's so many things that summer. Just think about Die Hard, just, mm-hmm. by, just by itself. Yeah. That has become cult classic. So, if we go over to the AV page, yeah. our Facebook page, and we'll see it was a pretty active comment thread mm-hmm. on this movie. So, we'll read a couple of the AV uh Adventures in Videolander comments. Uh, sure thing. Mark Marquez said, I really like this one. The practical effects are... Mwah! I couldn't I couldn't go Pantheon, unfortunately. Great pick, though. You know, Scott Herliska said, It's not even April 1st. Now, if you'd said, quote, The stuff, I still would have voted no. I do love <clears throat> Kevin Dillon, though. Wolvie rules. I love Wolvie. He rules. Said The Blob 1988 is an underrated remake. I like this one better than the original. Mm -hmm. Russ Davies says, I'm not a horror fan, but to my surprise, I quite enjoyed this one. Corny in all the right ways and full of cool practical effects. David Hershwitzky. The remake is awesome, gooey fun. They took... The Blob and turned it up a notch on gore and general 80s cheese. I loved it. Not like the original wasn't a B-movie either. It's fun for the time it was filmed in, even if they did recast a 40-something-year-old Steve McQueen to play a teenager. I looked it up. He was 28. 20, yeah, he was 28. Yeah. But but he didn't look he did look much older than a high schooler. Yeah. But, that's but okay. Kevin Dillon was 23. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, so. Babatunde Ahime. So I'm, I'm, I'm Babatunde. I am so sorry if I said your name wrong, but I am trying my best. And here. you let us know. 
Yeah, you know. let us know. Yes. One of my all-time favorites. Pau Castro. This movie gave me trauma. Yeah. Doesn't say up or down, but it's not, just... Not trauma. I don't know if it's a, a different good, 80s thing. I don't know if it's a good thing or not, but... Bill Wheat, Wheat, Wheat. says, The original is a 50s classic, but by today's standards, is a bit goofy. A great remake that definitely has the look and feel of an 80s movie. And that is also a detriment. More than one less than stellar acting performance, some odd dialogue, a choppy pace and flow issues, a great film by horror standards, but I wouldn't consider it a masterpiece like Carpenter's The Thing. That keeps recurring, The Thing. Then John Shippey. The practical effects are amazing, but that's about it for this one. I loved the cheesiness of the original. This one is just pointless and not a great movie. Mm. And Bill Allen says, I rewatched it. It was fun. It had some cool kills, etc. But it's going to be a no from me, dog. And that's an excerpt of a longer uh, thing, but I, I just pulled out the last bit because I liked that he said dog. 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 So, we're on to receipts. Yep. And uh, you've got some uh, money matters right here to walk through. I do. So why don't you go ahead and take the lead on this. I'll do that. So, The Blob, as you said, August of 1988, 95 minutes, directed by Chuck Russell. Its production budget was $19 million, even for 88, that's pretty low. Domestic gross, however, was $8.2 million worldwide the same. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it made its money back in rentals and so on yeah. and so forth. Average ticket price in 88 was $4.11, which, with our patented, copyrighted... Trademark. Reserved. Registered. Uh, a process called the Butts in Seats Index, or BSI. Uh, we just divide the domestic gross by the average ticket price to come up with how many butts were in the seats. So dividing 8.2 million by four dollars eleven cents, you get two million. So two million people uh, were watching this movie. So I thought some quick comparisons. Uh, the thing comes up regularly in some other movies that are similar. So I went sort of with similar movies, but also some that were different and even in a different era, just to do some comparisons. I started with the original Blob, mm-hmm. 1958, 86 minutes. Uh, this was directed by Irvin S. Yearworth Jr. The production budget was two hundred forty thousand, or one hundred twenty thousand, depending on who you ask, depending because he came is. back and changed his mind yeah. later. So let me tell you a little yeah. fun fact that yeah. Steve McQueen, who started in nineteen fifty eight, that he had the option of taking one uh, percent or of the profits, mm-hmm. or taking three thousand dollars cut just. Cut a check. I'm pretty sure and he took he, the check. He needed to eat, so he just took the check, thinking to himself, "This movie's not gonna make any money." Yeah, domestic gross four million dollars. There, Stevie, you kind of lost out on that yeah. bad boy. Now, the average ticket price in uh, that year, 1958, was 68 cents, which means it had a BSI of 5.88 million. Now, that's not, as we all know, the Fight Club standard. No, 7.3 million. No, but that's nothing to sneeze at. 5.88 million in 1958 went to see that thing. By the way, one other thing that just came to my mind, thinking of 1958, is the number of movies that were in drive-in theaters and the the gross uh, tick box box office wasn't about the number of people there, but the number of cars. Yeah. So while our BSI is not a thousand percent accurate across all eras, for example, current eras with yeah. streaming. It's a good comparison across. Yeah. So, in any case, $5.88 million for the original <clears throat> The Blob. Also, The Thing. Uh, John Carpenter's June uh, 1982 
uh, movie, 109 minutes, had a production budget of 15 million. That surprised me. Domestic gross, 19.6 million, and worldwide, 19.6. Average ticket price in 82 was $2.94. So it had a BSI of 6.7 million. I picked Critters. Critters. Yep, because number one, I think it's underrated. One number, of the first movies I rented on VHS. There you go. Number two, uh, they eat people, but we'll go with that. Uh, came out April of 1986. It was an 86-minute movie. Same general range as the two Blob movies, uh, directed by Stephen Herrick. Had a production budget of $2 million, which if you've seen Critters, it's obvious. Yeah. Uh, domestic gross thirteen point two million. Oh, it made money. The same worldwide. The average ticket price in eighty six was three dollars seventy one cents. So it had a BSI of three point six million. So I thought, all right, what was also around the era? Sure. You know, how about Alien? Nineteen sure. Creature features. Creature features. People get killed. You don't know what's going on. They sneak up on you. Alien, nineteen seventy nine, hundred and seventeen minutes by Ridley Scott, directed by Ridley Scott. Production budget was $11 million. Again, surprised me. Uh, that was kind of low. Domestic gross, $81.9 million. Worldwide, $106.3 million. It's obvious why the Alien uh, franchise is still yeah. around today. Average ticket price in 1979 was $2.47, which means this movie had a BSI of $33.2 million. A whopping $33.2 million. Even with the higher ticket price. Then I thought, okay, what's more contemporary? Kind of a blob thing. Something about angry space goo. That eats people, yeah. right? And I thought, well, did Ryan Reynolds star in a movie like that? Turns out he did. And he was eaten by the space goo. Life. March of 2017. 104 minutes, directed by Daniel Espinoza, with a production budget of $58 million and a domestic gross, unfortunately, of $30.2. But worldwide... One hundred point five million mm-hmm. average ticket price in twenty seventeen eight dollars ninety seven cents for a BSI of three point four million. And it's interesting to see the uh, the blob two million, mm-hmm. the blob nineteen fifty eight five point eight million, mm-hmm. the thing six point seven million, critters three point six million, life three point four million. That we're not talking giant numbers, but no. also these aren't generally like it's not marketed to everybody. Nope. Like you have to not only be an adult for watching most Number many one. of these, yeah. but also have to be into horror. Into horror and or space and or jump scares. Yeah. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. Exactly. All right. So now, before we get into our deep dig on the movie, uh, I did want to highlight that there is something on the table. It is hard to miss a gigantic... Gigantic, and when I say gigantic, I am understating. Yeah, the shopping bag, like two foot tall, giant, sparkly. It has a queen kitty wearing jewelry and diamonds on the front, and it's beautiful. I'm feeling like there's going to be a pink theme here, and this is this is going to be a uh, what? What would you call this? Like a like a like an offering? Uh, Maybe a bribe? Uh, yeah, and it comes with a letter, apparently. Who's that letter addressed to? This is addressed to Mac, first and foremost, oh, well. and Diamond, Fair enough. secondarily. So, uh, 
that we have a little, little letter here. It says thank you. Who's it from? This is I said it's from April. Oh, it's Skittles, from April. Skittles, oh well, she she actually nominated the movie. So she nominated the movie. Thank you for taking the time to watch and review this film. I hope you made it feel like a child again. For me, it reminded me of watching old horror films with my mom and clothes. You'll find some treats from my childhood. So here, why don't you uh, unbox this right here? Oh, it's so big and heavy. Yeah. I think there's glass in this. So we've got animal crackers to go to the circus. Animal not the crackers not the same as the soup. tent, uh, same tent as the blob, but you get the connection. Fruit slices. Fruit slices. I used to go to the local grocer and have those while shopping with my mom. Cherry sours, because if life can't be both sweet and sour at different times. So uh, then you got Seagram's Golden Wine Cooler. Oh, hold on. Jamaican me happy. Yeah, you Seagram's said your wife's crazy. She, she loves, loves this them. brand. So you're it's taking just, those home with you. I know that. that. Uh, so who didn't grow up in the 80s uh, sneaking a swipe of a bottle from the fridge? And then we got Pink Whitney right here. Yeah, Pink uh, Whitney. This is because you have to be grown to need oh. a taste, okay? And this Pink is Whitney. a uh, this is a, uh, a sure hard a pink low, lemonade. I'm sure it's a low alcohol. 30% alcohol by volume. Ooh. And finally, a trip down memory lane isn't complete without a toy. For the blob, we had to go with a pink gooey slime. Oh, yeah, look. This one is Unicorn Magic. Glitter Burst, Sprinkle Surprise, and Pink Perfection Goody Putty. So wow. the uh, we had said hope you this enjoy like your a, friend April. P.S. Thank you for making my birthday amazing and having eight hundred of my closest friends sing to me because we <laughs> we were announcing for the roller derby we last were. weekend and, and everyone uh, sang. We to had her. had everyone sing to Skittles McBoom. So three, two, uh, one, make boom. Y'all are great, she said. Y'all are great. So Jamaican me crazy. Wow, we got to try this pink Whitney wow. dealio. Wow. 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 That's the only Owen Wilson I have right there. That's it. Just one word. So I'll start reading while you start pouring. This year I wanted to do something different. And unpredictable. I'm not oh. as big of a horror or sci-fi fan as others, but it is some of the first films I remember watching with my mom. My mom was a movie lover and prompted my love of Hollywood in more ways than one. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, was one of her favorite characters. Me too. We would watch Movie Macabre all the time. Although it only aired from 81 to 90, 86, we would watch reruns, and somehow I was introduced to my mom's love for B-rate movies. Many people... No, since the COVID pandemic, Brad and I have been watching VHS tapes and reliving the great films of our past childhood. And why not? 80s and 90s were an amazing time for film. For my Pantheon nomination, I'm going to make a do going with a remake of the horror sci-fi classic I first saw with Elvira hosting. And my Pantheon nomination is The Blob. The Blob. The blob. The Blob, 1988. Remake is one of the best underrated sci-fi remakes of one of my favorite sci-fi movies of all time with great characters, excellent practical effects, and mostly great most, mostly. mostly great acting. This remake is way better than the overrated original movie, and the scenes were done in the original movie are done better here than they were in the original. I think it's a shame that the film bombed and never got a sequel because I think the sequel to this movie would have been very interesting to see. I'd like to see it done today, but no CGI. Keep it old school and do practical effects. I was mentioning to you earlier that the last line of the film mm -hmm. is as long as the Arctic stays cold. Right. And 
Which, because the no spoilers here, well, no, straight up spoilers, the coal yeah. is how they defeat the black. Yeah, yeah. And then they store it in the Arctic. But in our world today, where there's all sorts of issues of things melting. Be in Arctic. Where, where uh, what if they were storing it in a place that has maybe melted a little bit? Whoopsie. Uh, yeah, so I, th- I feel like it's it's uh, the time is, is ripe for this. Uh, very few remakes have a splash of for fans or cinema critics, but people always seem to like the better, the original better, and look down on sequels. I think that's why it was a flop. Uh, but what they didn't appreciate in the '80s, we can add up to the halls or pantheon for future movie lovers to enjoy. I don't always want serious when I watch a film. I want popcorn, fun, goofiness, gore. The Blob gives me a great experience while presenting great practical effects and story. There's not any huge Hollywood names in this film and in true sci-fi horror fashion there shouldn't be a film should be able to stand on a few staples a good script good locations good costume design decent acting practical effects and in this case an audience having a good time a film that can be turned into a drinking game with friends is best in my book some so popcorn pop some corn sit back enjoy the pink goo eating away at the unsuspecting town folk if you're of age then drink every time brian smokes drinks or has a run-in with the law and take a drink you're about to watch one of the best sci-fi horror remakes of all time and for those reason it is pantheon beware the blob yes terror has no shape as it says on the poster yep so Let's chat about some of the uniquenesses and challenges of the film before we do a breakdown of part by part. Sure. So let's start. Uh, uniquenesses, challenges, insights. You start where you want. Sure. Well, uh, okay, first I have a uniqueness from this film in that, especially for 80s movies, uh, it, it really doesn't take itself seriously. It's not trying to win... A Grammy. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, an Oscar. And anything. Or a Grammy. <laughs> <laughs> a Tony. An Oscar. An Emmy. Nope. None of those things. Maybe a Saturn Award. Nope. I, I don't know. Uh-uh. It's not even trying. It's just trying to have some fun and tell a story. Yeah. It almost felt to me like uh, this was one of the first movies I remember watching. And I thought to myself, this movie's keeping all these people working. And almost that's the reason for the movie. Yeah. And that's okay. I'm fine with that. Uh, I've certainly seen uh, Nicolas Cage or uh, or other actors that have made a bunch of movies, but, movies, but were just made for the point of keeping them working. But every one of the people in the movie was hungry enough to act. They were acting like they like uh, they were whether acting. whether good or for whether for good or for bad. Nobody phoned it in. Nope. Also, I felt like this was one of the first movies that I remember seeing. Where I realized that Kevin Dillon was a good character actor, yeah, and that that was his thing, yeah, was character, not action, not you know the slimy boyfriend, not the you know the even Matt Dillon tends to play kind of the slimy boyfriend, not, not Ryan Reynolds, smarmy, charming smarmy, guy, charmy guy, nope, character actor, and if you see him in all of his other movies that he's done since then, it's always some kind of character, and they're not necessarily connected to each other. He's not famous because he's his brother's famous. He's worked through, I don't know, 50, 60 films because of his character work. And so I think that's a uniqueness of this particular film. And that doesn't set aside uh, his co-star, Smith. Uh, Oh. Oh, Shawnee. Shawnee. Shawnee Smith, who also is a character actor and does not, you know, doesn't get cast in these giant movies. So 
here the two of them are. You know them. They're the, the people from The Thing that you've seen before. Uh, and here they are in an 88 movie early on in their careers. And I, I, I think that's a unique element here. So some of the genres that get, will get thrown out or bantied about for this film mm. uh, that you definitely have. A, it's a horror film. Mm -hmm. Not tons of horror in Pantheon. There's some. There's The Thing is in there for sure. Uh, the birds are there, right? Uh, maybe. I, I don't have the list in front of me. But the um, it's also a B-movie. Yeah. Which uh, there's not tons of B-movie uh, in there. I would argue uh, that um, this skirts the line probably between uh, right close to... Uh, Best Worst? Fright Night. <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. Like, it, it, it is... It's a movie that doesn't quite take itself very seriously, that there's some cheesy parts to it. Mm -hmm. um, so you've got some of those things. And also remake, right? It's a remake of a classic film. But the thing is in there, of course. Yes. So those are some of the categories that, that people might pull out to talk about. Is that And people would say Scream, being a cheesy uh, yeah. horror flick, happens to also be Pantheon. Um, and, and The Shining, not cheesy, just a horror film. Yeah. So, and I'm not going to go through every single one of them, but, the, but there's not that many, and there's not many B-movies yeah. that are in there. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, so on the on the level of uniqueness is that this this has, uh, and also 80s, right? Yeah. So, like, like, these are a couple categories that people might pull out for measuring the movie. Right. And they'll say, okay, is it is it best of its genre it as uh, a, an 80s cheesy b movie horror you right. know like yeah right. so like well you like, have to be thinking about the toxic <laughs> avenger one dark night like all these other movies from the yeah. 80s that were kind of yeah. cheesy but but gained popularity because like critters you could start critters. <laughs> that's when you could start getting like vhs tapes and rent a machine and watch them at home and yeah exactly so um in terms of uniqueness of this film mm -hmm. and also and it will come out later in the discussion that uh it's heavy reliance on practical effects yeah. uh, for a movie that had a lot of effects, mm -hmm. you know, like, uh, but it, it definitely leaned into the practical side of things. There was some green screening, but even the green screening wasn't what we would have as computer generated no, stuff today. It was green, it was green screening practical effects onto yeah. other. Yeah. But the, 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 the tech wasn't that good, even especially in the eighties. And, it's, they, they yeah. certainly have you rewatched was... Lawnmower Man? Yeah, exactly. Uh. Yeah, but like when you saw green screen or practical <laughs> effects in the seventies and early eighties Star Wars movies, Star Wars: Empire Strikes Back, uh, New Hope: Empire Strikes Back, they did a much better job than this movie. But they also had budgets and yeah. different studios and more yeah. expertise. There were there were still vestiges and leftovers and, sh and 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 other things you could see, but you had to set that aside because. You know, you're watching a movie that's not real. It's okay. So, uh, challenges for this movie. One that, of them for me is that it's an '80s B movie, and I think '80s B movies, kind of in general, they either hit and they hit big, or they're just kind of pushed aside. Mm -hmm. I don't know why that is. Uh, there were a lot of for movies you. in the '80s. No, I mean just kind of in general. When you okay. look at like how popular movies are in the '80s. They're either, if they're a little bit cheesy, uh, um, 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 not Critters, uh, Gremlins. Cheesy, very cheesy, yeah. 
all practical effects, virtually no special effects whatsoever, just practical stuff. And uh, and yet hit huge. Maybe it was timing. Maybe it was originality. Uh, PG rating. PG rating. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, cuteness. I have no idea. And you know, they made what three more, two or three more. But the point is, they either hit or they kind of just sort of went away. And this was one that at the time just kind of went away. Yeah. But like you said, look at when it came out. It came out when these major movies were hitting in the eighties. Just that one year alone, but other years as well. And and if movies weren't like tip top, you know, way up on the top of the stack, they kind of just faded away. I would throw out another challenge for this movie that I would imagine in the eyes of the council members as they're looking at it is the quality of acting. Yeah. That it's even in a B film that you can have A level acting that shows up in B level films. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not always. And you at least have some tent poles of greatness. Yes. Um, somebody's holding up the show. Or some, you know, yeah. some, somebody's holding up the show. Somebody's hold, holding the show. Yeah. Uh, and in this one, and we'll get to that later and talk through in terms of my perspective on things as well, or at least, is that um, nothing, nothing popped as yeah. like stellar. Like I said, it felt like this movie was was made so that these people had work. Yeah. And um yeah. Those are some of the things and on the level of uniqueness when I was talking about genre that'll be a challenge as well because then you have to compare it yeah. to all those other things. All the other ones. Um and we'll get to some of the challenges that are inherent in the breakdown uh characteristics. Uh any insights on this? That you had along the way. You said you accidentally watched the 58 remake. Why I was did. that? Well, because uh, when I did a quick little search with my Roku, uh, it said this was a 1988 version, and I clicked it, and it was free, and it was actually the 1950s version. And I'm like watching it going, wait, I think that guy died in 1980. Why is he? Why is Steve McQueen in the 1980 version? Steve McQueen is dead, right? He died in 1980, right? Or he looks good for his age. And I was like, wow. At first, I was like, wow, they. They remade this movie and made it look as much like a 1950s or early yeah. 60s movie as they could. That I went, wait, this is the 1950s one. So because I thought, wait, where's Kevin Dillon? So yeah. that was yeah, that was odd. Um, another insight I had was as I'm watching it, it clicked in my head how much it reminded me of The Weeds, which is a Stephen King short. It was included in Creep Show, the first uh, movie anthology. Uh, where the guy yeah. played by Stephen King pokes the little meteor and the goo comes out, gets on him, and then you know grassy stuff grows on him, and and he ends up being yeah. killed by it after trying to go see a doctor and seeing a specialist and this and that. But yeah, no, it felt very similar, but not the same. And so I actually went back and looked up when was the original Blob script written, based on what. But also I went back and saw when did Stephen King first write his short. It's clear that King's experience was influenced potentially by some of the original stuff from The Blob, but King went a different direction with it. But then I started noticing all of these Stephen King yeah, there was connections. A lot of, there was a lot of references and stuff that but, were happening. But the actors, um, yeah. Kevin Dillon was in Creepshow, the TV series in season three, uh, and Shawnee Smith was in the Saw, the Saw series, but also... In the TV adaptation of The Stand, Stephen King. So, and the Saw series, some some would say, was heavily influenced by Stephen King stuff. So, um, I mean, there's all these like Stephen King connections and twists and references in the '88 version as well. Yeah, uh, it's super cool, super cool. I love Stephen King. If people don't know that, uh, he's he's a, a writing hero of mine. 
So the uh, and, and I'll say and this uh, I'll mention this is that I got very uncomfortable watching the guy drugging his girlfriend. Really? Why? And then what's the problem? Getting ready to uh, oh. engage in date rape. Oh, 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 sorry, the date rape. Sorry, yeah. I, I as I was watching, I was like, I feel like this hit different in '88 that. People would still be creeped by it, but it was more of a chuckle thing. Yeah. And he did get his comeuppance. He most certainly did. Uh, that when he went and reached in for a feel and he got a blob instead. Instead. But it was like, ooh, Ugh. this is a nah. Nah, this is a dark turn. It was something similar in the in the nineteen fifties version as well, yeah. by the way. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anywho, let's uh, let's do some breakdown uh, of yeah. uh, the the categories. Acting and casting. How'd you feel? Okay, I thought it was cast well, but I thought that much of the acting was subpar. Yeah, that's and, just my my opinion. And uh, I'll say average. Okay, like, like you know, you say subpar. I mean, for Pantheon. <laughs> yeah, for Pantheon. Subpar <laughs> yeah. for Pantheon. Yeah, yeah. That it was. It, there was nothing spectacular for me. Yeah. Uh, across the board. It, with the exception of, I really did like Del Close's Reverend, mm, fair uh, because I was like, that is a character that stands out to me. And didn't Del Close also play a character in like the a kind he of he played a, a hobo thing in the like 1970s a... Son of the Blob oh, or Son Bo- of the Blob. Beware of the Blob? Yeah, not a sequel to '88, but a sequel to the 1950s. Yeah, Beware, Beware of the Blob. The blob. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, directing and editing. I, you know, what did you think? Because I have an opinion. Uh, I'm not really sure. I thought it was tight uh, that the first, the first, so if we did three acts of it, the first act mm-hmm. kind of dragged, mm-hmm. uh, but I thought it had a really solid third act, but there was nothing that, I, I, uh, if we take it away from any of the practical effects things, that there was interesting editing that happened, like, for instance, to... To utilize the practical effects of like the the guy in the hospital room, the the teenager in the hospital room who was getting sucked into the blob, yes. that they had him as an actor in goo, then they flipped to a reaction shot, and then they flipped back to him, and it was the practical effect of a dummy getting melted, yeah. So she could pull the arm off, right? And it was like that was a that's a clever, a nice cutback, so he didn't have to spend that much yeah, money. Yeah, and on they effects. they would use that kind of like cut back to to reaction shots so that they could swap between the actors and yeah. the practical effects. Sometimes I thought it was interesting because the blob seemed to move so slowly, but they would cut away for two seconds and come back and the blob had moved five feet. Yeah. I, 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 suspend your disbelief. I didn't, I'm didn't. i not making that complaint about that. I'm just saying that was a part of their editing yeah. technique. And I wonder if they edited out an in-between little bit. You yeah. know what I mean? Maybe that didn't work for them. But yeah, I thought, I thought editing was done well. I thought directing... Um, the first and third act, shall we call them, I thought were done pretty well. I, mm. That middle act for me, the first one was kind of slow. All the exhibition was slow. The middle one was kind of like, where are we going? I thought we were and doing they introduced the, the They introduced the, the, the government people. Yeah. And... I was like, wait, what's ha- what are they, are they... I thought maybe they were heading off to make a commentary that I had never noticed, a cultural commentary yeah. uh, that I hadn't noticed before because I was a kid when I watched this the first time. But, but, but instead it just sort of was like oh and this okay third act you know yeah. i don't know um that's a directing decision though right like they yeah. decided what they were going to yeah. shoot so screenplay and story um you know it wasn't exactly the original screenplay or story it was clearly a rework of the screenplay and story from the original um i actually kind of like the original screenplay and story better 
Um, but but I did like Kevin Dillon's character and his sort of redemption element there towards mm. the end. I liked that quite a bit. Where he where he missed the jump before the first time he kind of bailed out right yeah. and the guy laughs at him the hobo and then laughs to at him. like and that's a nod over to Steve McQueen the guy who played yeah right the right. whatever his name was in the fifty eight version the, yeah but also yeah. yeah he did the Great Escape yeah the motorcycle jump and all that but yeah no but then but then he, then he does then he makes the jump yeah. right when he has to when it counts I like that uh, I thought that was kind of cool um, otherwise it was just telling the story of this blob and how they defeated it and that. Yeah. Kind of uh, the intentional telling of that story was fine. Yeah. The 58 version, because I, I watched them back to back. I went 88, 58. Okay. And then uh, the 58 version, cheesier for sure. And it, it's, 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 a, it's iconic, but not it's not the best movie out there. But it is iconic. But it is definitely more dread. And nobody is listening to this main character explaining that people are going missing because of this thing. And that there, right. there's kind of that tension where the, that tension only sort of seeped into the 88 version right. where it was much more terror or, right. or not, not horror. Like your head's going to get sucked into the drain or, right. you yeah, um, that <clears throat> for in me the, in the 58 version, I think they set up the character that no one wants to listen to a little better by showing that he was sort of a. Uh, you know, he's sort of like the bad, not the full bad boy in town, but like the kid that runs on the edge and gets away with breaking the rules yeah. by just kind of going, oh, shucks, officer. And then when he comes and says, this is what's happening, they're all going, yeah, right. Yeah. With Kevin Dillon's character, they alluded to yeah. why no one, why was why was he the outcast? Yeah. Why? Because he's poor. Wears a black leather jacket. Yeah, because he's a greaser, yeah. like from the 80s or 70s, I mean, you know what I mean? So it's like, ah. Yeah. So for me, it, it it was functional. Yeah. Uh, that and there were moments that I appreciated. There was nothing transcendent, but uh, it did. I'll, I will say this: that I was not paying attention. So when the cold thing came up, I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember that." But I hadn't seen this. I don't know if in forever. So like I had kind of forgot about that, and then I was like, "Oh, the snow machine! They're snow in machine. a skiing town." Oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah, snow, yeah. snow hasn't come yet. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's so late. If snow had come on time, they wouldn't even be yeah. experiencing this yeah. situation. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, cinematography and locations. Okay, first of all, it wasn't shot in Colorado. It was shot in Louisiana. Louisiana, which was kind of weird, no. but that did explain why the snow hadn't showed up yet. It also explained why there was like palm tree like oh, things yeah, at the yeah. football games. But uh, the town, mm -hmm. the look. I'm really talking about the location. Reminded me so much of the town that I went to high school in, where I met my wife, yeah. my girlfriend at the time, but my wife, and um, I, I felt very comfortable in that environment. You know, the, the, not very far out of town, there's this old broken down bridge that you could jump yeah. your motorcycle over. Also, there's this weird guy that collects cans there. Yeah. Absolutely normal for me. Like, yeah. That's where I grew up. And so that felt really kind of comfortable. Uh, and I believed that element of it. Um, but it was very distracting to realize that this Colorado town was not in Colorado. <laughs> and they didn't lean into any mountain shots, like, no. like mountain shots or Which mountains in the distance. In the or background, this. everywhere. Yeah. Um, but I did like the locations, like the, and it was a nod to the original, but mm. you had the movie theater and you had the doctor's office and you had mm. the, you know, the, the woods and you had, you know, and I, and it, I dug the, 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 uh, the garage, the mechanics yep. garage. I thought that was pretty cool. Yep. 
Also a neat way to, to, to shoot some shots without having to spend a bunch of money. Because that could have been literally any garage in, anywhere, anywhere. California or anywhere else. Yeah. Um, score. Music. Uh, for me, the music was unremarkable. I didn't feel like it was much like 80s music as much as just sort of synthy pop music. Yeah. Like 80s, sure, but I'm saying it didn't feel like iconic 80s music to me. I, I felt it was distracting for me really? at times. A lot of times yeah. that I won't even notice the music because it's so interwoven. Right. But there was times it where it just like it doesn't. pulled me out of the movie. I gotcha. Um, and it, it, it didn't add tons. With the exception of the credits were running, and then all of a sudden this 80s, really 80s power ballad type rock came on, and I was like, where was this? Yeah. Where was this awesome music for the rest of the movie? <laughs> uh, they couldn't afford the licensing. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but the very synthy stuff reminded me of the same thing you'd see in Troll 2. Yeah, yeah, It was yeah, just yeah, like... Yeah plunking down on a synthesizer yeah, it's like someone just wrote some original stuff special effects and notables okay i actually think the special effects in this movie were notable like, yes of in and of themselves pantheon I, level i loved it it was for the for the year the technology available and the purpose of this movie the special effects were on the spot that's my opinion i really liked them i love the way the blob just sort of consumed people and then they just went away as a sort of a red smear. Didn't the blob get darker red as the movie went yeah. along? Uh, maybe. I, 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 I think it did. Yeah. I think it got darker, darker there was times pink and red. Where also like uh, in the phone booth mm. that there was almost like blue veins that oh, were cool. in there. So it was like really like an inside out stomach, which was the the, 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 the what they were kind of going, going for. Going for, right? Um, but yeah, like... It, and I listened to... Uh, Oh, what's his name? Um, Brent Nelson or something like that, who was the guy who was in charge of special effects. Okay. Doing a podcast and talking about that they used one six. He's not on the front page there. Okay. This was just on an extra thing. He was just the special effects. But I got you. He, he was talking about that they used like one six scale for the diner and one third scale for this, that they used these miniatures that then you can turn them upside down and drop the goo so that it shoots up. Yeah. And that, that the blob itself was probably no bigger than a basketball. Mm. Like that was as right. big as it ever got in real life. Right, right. Um, so, but I never felt that while watching the movie. There was like a triple amputee that played one of the people. There who was got a guy who was a Vietnam vet yeah, who right. played uh, one a dissolved person. A in dissolved there. person, like inside yeah. the blob. So yeah. I mean, that's a heck of a. It was a stuntman, but still, yeah, that's pretty cool. There, there, you know. Um, Little notes on it. We yeah. mentioned the green screen was occasionally noticeable, but that's the thing. I did also notice, like in the first scene, I could see the string on the meteorite as yeah. it as it rolled in. Yeah. It, it was it just like one frame. Either. It was like bouncing on the string. <laughs> doing, doing, it was doing, doing, like a Plan Nine from Outer Space. Yeah, 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 yeah. Spaceship on on a fishing string. Or like that old um, <laughs> uh, rocket in the eyeball of the yeah, moon movie from yeah. like like nineteen oh two, where you could see the stick pushing the rocket into. <laughs> the eyeball yeah mm -hmm. but uh other than that it, it, it was the special effects were great and I they obviously so. spent the bulk of their budget on that sure. yeah because um, they couldn't afford matt Dillon. <clears throat> x factor to this movie for you um just the nostalgia for me the nostalgia yeah. of what i was doing when i first saw this movie i think i rented it i think it was on vhs when i was in college uh yeah like maybe right before i got married or right after 
and I rented it from uh, well, well, what later became Video Land here in yeah. the Lafayette area, in fact. But um, uh, yeah, I mean that for me, that's what the X Factor is, uh, and and the feeling of kind of going back to the '80s, which was my high school years and college years. So uh, two levels of X Factor for me. One, it, I I ended the movie having fun. Okay. Like the third act was fun. Like it was just fun to watch. Not a huge X factor, but as far as movies go, I mean, you can't ask for more than a movie to ha- to let you have a fun time while right? watching it, right? right. Um, and then the other, and it's not towards this movie. It's towards the '58 version, which is the iconicness of the blob. The blob. But that is not for this movie. That's right. for its original. Even though the original gets eclipsed in a number of ways by the things that this movie does, mm-hmm. but the X Factor really that portion of it is really for the original rather than the remake. Um, and that's just the iconicness of like you end up having aliens versus monsters, and there's Bob the Blob right Bob in there, the Blob. or Transylvania, or whatever the. Well, yeah. Or the cartoon that I saw back in, in college and in post college when I after I got married was called Schmoo. Now Schmoo was a friendly yeah. cartoon character, but it's just a blob that could take on whatever Flubber. shape it wanted. Yeah, yeah, but it, it had a it had a, 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 a essentially a mind. Yeah, and could communicate, uh, but it was just a white blob. So this movie had one award from the Aviora's Fantastic Film Festival for Chuck Russell for winner special best special effects and there were seven nominations that went for it as well so you could legitimately say this is an award winning movie for special effects specifically uh, um, some fun facts about the movie some mm-hmm. trivia that uh, that Donovan Leach, who played Paul, took Shawnee Smith Meg to his actual senior prom in Hollywood High, and he wrote her a thank you note afterward, which she kept for years later, appeared together in this film. And this film was actually released 30 years after the original version of The Blob, 1958, and had a budget estimated to be 80 times the original. So the overhead shot in the phone booth where the blob explodes against Fran was accomplished using a three-foot phone booth model and an articulated doll of Clark and air mortars blasting her. (laughs) (laughs) The bit involving the teen buying condoms at the pharmacy only for her father to discover the person they were purchased for is his daughter's date. Ribbed. Was based on a real (laughs) event from Chuck Russell's high school years at least so he claims. Yeah, there are urban legends with that same story that yes. go back. Russell and Darabont refer to Paul McCrane as the melty guy, but not everyone gets the Robocop yeah, the reference. The melty guy. A lot of the blob slime or juice was made out of methicel, which is both unbelievably slippery and a thickening ingredient for milkshakes. Also, it is pretty interesting to use while waterboarding people, which is what they did for some of the scenes in here, where they poured methicel over Over the faces of people. Um, A lot of the blob... uh, One of the film's producers, Jack Harris, also was a producer of the original 58 version. Total sense. Um, Co-writer Frank Darabont included many Stephen King references in the film, I mentioned this earlier. We both spoke about it. A lot of them focusing on The Stand, which Shawnee Smith went on to star in as Julie Lowry. 
So all of the exteriors uh, for the movie were shot in a small Louisiana town called Abbeville, we had mentioned. Mm -hmm. And it's laid out almost the same way as Arborville, where the movie is supposedly supposed to take place. There in the Colorado. Yeah. Reverend Meeker, we mentioned this as well, played by Del Close, previously starred in Beware the Blob, 1972, as a hobo wearing an eye patch. So he's got a double connection back to the blab. So uh, let's chat about some votes yeah. and voting from the AV Council. Well, April votes yes. April votes yes. I mean, Skittles McBoom says, this is my movie. Why would she say no? She says yes. Of course. And also Jeremy said yes. Yeah. There you go. Two on. Only and five more to go. The Facebook poll said yes. They're three up. We only need four more yeses. Except you need no more than four no's. Right. Well, I know Kyle said no. I heard it. Kyle said no. Currently, there are more than four. What? Yeah. So the it's not always the case that we know the outcome before this oh. this podcast I is got done. To vote yet. I know. But uh, Kyle, Brad, Matthew, Marshall, and guest voter Brandon all said no so yeah. far. We're waiting for Nathan, Adam, and Ryan. Uh, and but with those three yeses, it would be six yeses. And tied as we found with out, Goodfellas. Goodfellas made it was a no. <laughs> but but all three of those would have to say yes. Nathan, Adam, and Ryan. So yeah, yeah. And but you know, in the Facebook poll, 125 yeses, 43 noes. That's actually quite a few noes for a Facebook poll. 21 haven't seen it yet, and 44 need to rewatch this. It doesn't look good. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, as we're coming to a close here, mm -hmm. uh, any final thoughts that you have? Well, I know I am going to vote. Actually, right now, as we're talking, I'm going to vote this very second. Mm -hmm. And here I am. And i tell you something. Uh, I look at this as a fun movie to watch. Um, I really enjoy watching this movie. I'm, I'm going to vote no. But I, I'm aware that some people would be like, you know, what are you doing? You just said how much you like the special effects. You just said, yeah. you know, this and that. But I think that as a Pantheon movie, and something you talked about the very early part of our discussion today was, is this the best of its genre? An 80s horror flick? An 80s B-movie? Uh, when you already have the thing yeah. in Pantheon. Yeah, is this the best of its genre? And I get why it's fun. I'm going to watch yeah. it again, probably more than once, with my popcorn. Mm -hmm. uh, but... It's a, it's a no. Yeah, and I would vote no as well. That, um, like I said, it's fun, but uh, that it's not enough to push it over the edge for me. But no. I'm not on the council, and I'm not a guest voter this You're not time. A guest so vote. neither am I. Um, I will say this: this movie continues in the tradition of season eight of interesting off the wall choices that right. you would not expect that are near and dear to the hearts of the council yep. members yep. Yep. so it's not following They're taking a risk by putting them out there and, and risking getting rejected no one likes yeah. for the things that they that are close to their heart to get rejected nobody does but we've had everything from goodfellas to scott pilgrim to hook to blob i mean we're all over the map but we, we the, haven't seen any indie films yet so that's probably yeah. coming but the common thread here are the this, that it's not a type of movie. We're not trying to fill out the AFI hundred, no. top hundred list. That no. this season it seems like a lot of the movies are these heartstring movies. Yeah. That just that even April would say in a review and in other comments that this, I know this this isn't going to make it, but I just wanted to do something different. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, also, this movie. This is an expression of herself. And I appreciate her that. mother and yeah. her childhood and yeah. those experiences. And that, that makes great sense. I mean, you and I nominated one year. We got the opportunity to nominate yeah. a movie. We nominated Good Will Hunting, not just because of Robin Williams. That was that was what I yeah. wanted. But because of all of the good things about Good Will Hunting. Mm-hmm. And it didn't make it. But uh, the nomination, regardless, was from the heart. Yeah, we were looking for something that made us feel good, and that made us feel good. Well, and I, I'll tell you that I would not like it, on my list of movies that I love. Armageddon is a movie that I love. Oh. Also, uh, that Demolition Man, and we've yeah. chatted about this, yes, you and me. Have. These are movies that I personally love because they mean something to me. Because they Highlander, were a, they were a point in time. <laughs> Highlander, Highlander, which. <laughs> As an adult who likes movies and thinks about how they're made, has so many problems. It's so many weird, bad yes. things about this movie. I still love that movie. We need somebody to speak with a Scottish accent. The Scottish guy says, I'm Spanish. <laughs> Should you talk to me? And Sean Connery, they say, No, you're gonna be you're gonna be Egyptian. <laughs> Spanish no, Egyptian. No, the guy with the French accent plays the Scottish guy. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what we're gonna do. Oh yeah. Well, thank you, April, for nominating this. It was a fun watch. It was interesting, and it was something that allowed me to look deeper into the movie uh, vault to find because mm-hmm. I hadn't watched the original either. Mm-hmm. So that was that was fun. So thank you for the nomination. Very much. And I appreciate this season and its wackiness. And um, I appreciate why this movie means so much to you. I get it, and uh, I don't think it's a bad movie at all. I yeah. I really like it. I will watch it again. So as always, I hope everyone enjoyed tonight's conversation. Where can Video Land find you, Miggity Mac? Oh, on Facebook and the AV. And you can also find me on Facebook. And you can find Adventures in Video Land on Instagram, Adventures in Video Land on Facebook, as well as the AdventuresinVideoLand.com website that has interesting things uh, and other fun facts and fun stories on there. But the conversation always begins and ends on Facebook. You've been listening to Criticism in its finest hour. Until next time, Videolanders, if it's a germ, it's the biggest son of a bitch you've seen. (laughs) (sighs) That is pretty good. But how about this? We We love love you. you.